Welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Hin Mizena, and in this episode, I'm with the Dubai-based Mobius Design Studio to talk about the 2017 edition of their Design House exhibition at 1971 Design Space on Flag Island in Sharjah, titled Change Coordinates Plus Someone Else. The exhibition is a result of investigating the conditions of a location and a group of people and the proposed design-driven solutions that came out of these investigations, which address existing shortcomings or uncover hidden potentials that could support or improve the quality of life or give voice to the people they spoke to. Here's a conversation I had with Hadiya Badri and Halal Ani from Mobius Design Studio. Uh, hello, I'm Hadiya Badri. I am one-third Mobius Design Studio. And I am Halal Ani. Another member of Mobius Studio. And Reem is currently teaching at the university. She is three third Mobius Design Studio, and we all make up a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> well, thanks, ladies, for joining me today. And uh, yeah, I'd like us to talk about Mobius Design, understand its philosophy and your role and what you do, and then we'll go into Design House exhibition, which you've which you've curated. What do you do? Why do you do what you do? Um, Mobius is currently seven years old. We started the studio in 2010 after we graduated uh, from the American University of Sharjah. And um, post-existential blues, we uh, <laughs> decided that we want to start our own thing. And uh, here we are today. Um, and Design House is now in its fourth uh, edition. Uh, we we started uh, Mobius Design Studio mainly to balance uh, commercial work, uh, independent work, and also studio initiated projects. The first edition of Design House was in uh, 2013 as part of uh, a Sikka art fair. We really wanted to be part of the fair because we really liked the, where it's uh, positioned in the city and. Uh, it made sense for us to take part of it uh, because we were considered emerging uh, designers but uh, the, the the fair only focused on um, uh, funding or supporting uh, emerging artists and uh, for us it m didn't make sense uh, to be included in the fair as a as an independent uh, entity so uh, we proposed uh, for the people who are organizing the fair to to uh, give us um, one of the houses uh, um, in the fair as a as a venue for us to curate uh, a design uh, exhibition um, and we would uh, select or work with uh, eight other designers to produce research-driven uh, projects so that we inform the public uh, or share with the public not just final uh, work but also the process that was involved in uh, producing the, the project. I mean, what I find interesting with the Design House project is, yeah, A, you engage with emerging artists slash designers, and it's about thinking of process, but it's also, I think, thinking about uh, ideas that isn't just about uh, a final, finished, polished product, right? It was always about research and, and research that's engaging with spaces and engaging with public and, 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 and displaying that. And, and the exhibitions that you've been having have been really interesting and they've been one of the most kind of 
engaging for me anyway in terms of when I would turn up at Sika Art House and like, okay, let's go to Design House and see what's uh, being shown there. So this year you've moved Design House um, from Sika, like it's in a completely new, and it's not in Dubai, it's in Sharjah and uh, with uh, 1971, uh, a space that uh, is run by Mariah Art Center. So can you tell us how that came about? Well, we thought it was time to look at uh, other venues and see whether uh, what kind of support we would get. So we got approached by 1971 Design Space to host Design House exhibition there. And then in conversation, we talked about budget and what kind of support they'd be providing. And in the end, 1971 uh, Design Space was more of... Um, aside from being a supporter, was also a collaborator. So we look at it as a collaboration. And uh, to date, it's uh, this design house has been the largest in scale. Uh, we were able to fund bigger projects. And uh, we have a publication uh, that we're very proud of. Uh, we were able to have it in both Arabic and English, uh, which is a great step. And uh, it's a necessary step. We just never had the ability to, to or the funding to translate the work. And also, we, we really wanted to have a publication that would be an object or, or a, a document beyond the, the duration of the exhibition. So if someone wanted to research, uh, they could use it as a reference. Uh, some of the, um, the writers aren't necessarily designers, but... Uh, the, the, the things they talk about are around uh, the work that was produced in Design House and not necessarily about uh, each and every one specifically. Yes, and I like the fact that you thought of the publication as something that could work as a standalone because it's true, there's a lot of things that come and go and there's no documentation that exists. And yeah, and, and there's not many people think about, wait, its relevance a few years from now and where does it lie in the history of the art and culture scene or, or the design scene here and what's, you know, the historical uh, context because as usual, and I know you hear it too, like, oh, you know, we're the first or no one's done this before, but because there's never enough uh, kind of, you know, reference or, or documentation for people to access. So the book itself, A, is yes, it looks like I love the, the design of it. It's it's a beautiful object. It's great to flick through and um, and I hope it's an opportunity people will find. Is it available just at the at 1971 or is it something that people can buy online or how, how can people find this? We're hoping that we get a chance to sell it online uh, in the future, but right now we're only selling it at the 1971 Design Space, Moraya Art Center, and Tashkil. Can we talk about some of the projects that were part of this design house? I was really fascinated by quite a few. One of them was Little Syria by uh, Tulip uh, Hasbar and Reem Falaknaz, and uh, the Little Ambassadors by Mace El Baik, and the Wajha project, which was kind of looking at some of the existing shops in a certain part of Sharjah and thinking about the shop front and rebranding it, but not in a way where it becomes like a gentrification of it. And it's just working with the existing tools and languages and images. And, and I think, you know, showcasing it because a lot of these shops don't have the budgets or access to designers to help them create something in terms of how we think of design as a, you know, branding, marketing to attract viewers in right it's just the basics it'll be the name of the shop or just the number and sometimes even the translation from the Arabic and English isn't done very well so I, I thought that was a really 
interesting uh, project and, and seeing it physically change. And I, I, I remember attending a talk and hearing about this. But yeah, I mean, if we can maybe just, uh, you can highlight the different, because there was, what, eight? There are eight because we list Design House as an ongoing case study. So Design House is also um, a project. And um, we, we wanted to uh, present it to the public as such so that we could also receive feedback. I mean, amongst ourselves, we, we make fun of ourselves and we um, criticize ourselves sometimes very harshly. Uh, but there's no way for us uh, to know um, what's happening outside of our minds. Um, so we're hoping that people would engage and, and, and tell us how we could take the fifth edition further or what we would change or if, if people want to contribute, etc. I'll start with Little Syria and the Heart of Sharjah. Uh, Reem Falaknaz and uh, Tulip Hasbar were interested in uh, documenting how Sharjah's landscape changes every time there is a political unrest uh, in neighboring countries. They noticed for a couple of years that when the landscape would change and th there, there would be a, a migration uh, from different countries, uh, and then you'd see you'd see this kind of change by the name of the restaurants, how how the streets would change in that way, uh, and that happened with Palestine a few years back, and then Iraq, and now Syria. So there is a little Syria um, in the heart of Sharjah. Reem and Tulip both uh, document. Um, the 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 big Syrian community by by uh, showing shops uh, and shop fronts um, and they had a lot of conversations with uh, the, the owners and the publication their newspaper documents the, these these stories yes because there's this interest uh, in and these, these new additions to the city of Sharjah, right? So what, be it, and, and, and their cultural spaces, so because their foods and shops and the shop owners. And yes, there is this noticeable uh, influx of a certain population that's rising because of, uh, yeah, people leaving, uh, you know, their, their, their home country to escape whatever troubles they're facing. And, and, and Sharjah is an, an, an interesting city where you find these I don't know if pockets is the right word, but yeah, different parts of the city where there, there's a very strong emphasis on, on a certain, you know, so there's Iraqi restaurants and there's lots of Syrian restaurants and, and, um, and the, the publication itself, which does look like, it's like a newspaper style and it includes images and, and, and stories. And I thought that was really, it was a really fascinating project uh, to work on and I, and to bring it out to the public because I don't think it's something that, really gets talked about in a, in a wider context. And, and uh, what about Maisel Bake's Little Ambassadors? Could you tell me about that? Well, her project comes from a personal experience. She grew up in Sharjah and uh, she studied in a girls-only school. And uh, growing up in that school, she was always fascinated by uh, uh, other kids who go to other uh, schools and what is it like inside their schools. And it, it really came, her project came from the idea of uh, initiating a program where uh, kids from different schools can come together and uh, uh, produce projects together as a way of uh, knowing each other and uh, communicating, understanding each other. Um, so she contacted uh, uh, various schools around Sharjah, uh, the German school, Arabic schools, the Indian school, uh, uh, etc. 
And uh, the, the fascinating thing about her project was that a lot of these schools were not open to the idea of, uh, of uh, sharing a, a program with other schools, which really highlights that, that uh, this segregation between the different uh, communities of these schools do doesn't come from the students. It comes from an institutional level. Can you touch upon Wajhad, the uh, shopfront uh, project? Okay, so Wajha uh, was founded by Ali al-Masri and Hussein al-Azad, and they started this in Jordan, where they wanted to help uh, local businesses uh, flourish, uh, so they'd give them sort of like a facelift, um, and something that highlights that design is important and it can help you be visible. Uh, these people didn't have access uh, to design or designers, and probably didn't think um, that design is important. It was probably looked at as a luxury. Uh, but um, Hussein and Ali both provided their services uh, in hopes that it would help these small businesses. And um, according to their documentation, it did. So we thought of bringing them uh, again for the second time to uh, the Emirates, and this time specifically uh, in Sharjah, to change some storefronts, but in a workshop format. So they taught a workshop with a group of uh, participants, and um, the participants were given four shops that they could redesign. So we went to the heart of Sharjah and picked these four shops and had conversations with the owners. And based on these conversations, the, um, the, the participants um, were, I don't know if I can use the word inspired, to, to uh, produce work. Um, one of the interesting conversations that came up uh, with the shop owners was that um, the shop owner was worried that the design would look too fancy. And he said that don't make it too fancy, otherwise I'd lose my customers. And this is something we've never thought of uh, as a concern. And, and do you think that kind of mindset is because he, the shop owner will think if he has uh, what he describes as fancy design on the shop front will make it look like his is more expensive compared to the neighboring shop? Because I know one of them was a barber and what were the... Other three that you uh, two, two embroidery shops and one antiques shop. So that's interesting, right? So yeah, I don't know, but I'm, I remember walking by the barber one and notes seeing the design, and I'm like, oh, that's Zena's design because I know she worked on that project. And uh, yeah, I think it's also because they don't necessarily have access to designers to think of to to, to come up with these. Uh, Design. They think it's it's really unnecessary, and uh, I mean the barber shop was really funny because he was always unimpressed and uninterested up until the very end. He's still unimpressed and uninterested. He was a very very funny character, and so Zena, the designer, created the design based on him because uh, he was such a again such a colorful character. Um, his face is on 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 the the, the shop front. 
Well, once we implemented the designs on the shops, although most of them were not really interested in the idea, uh, but they gave us permission to do so, at the end uh, they really uh, changed their mind and they were so proud of their shop fronts and even um, even the, the neighboring shops started asking us, how come you didn't select us, how can we work with you? And that for us was uh, really exciting that through a small intervention they realized that there is uh, value in, in design. Will you be looking at more shops or something you think you can continue, like pick shops every year to focus on? Um, we we asked Wajha if uh, they're interested in having ambassadors uh, in other uh, countries, even if we're unable to bring them. And... and um, they were very happy about it. Um, it also depends on the kind of support and funding we get, uh, so that and and permissions. Mm -hmm. I mean, 1971 Design Space was so generous in that sense. Um, we didn't have to worry uh, about these things because it was always taken care of. Um, their team was excellent. So it, again, it depends on support, and we we'd love to engage. And moving on, another project was Emptyless. Uh, could you tell us about that? Well, uh, Emptyless was by uh, the Caravan Design Studio, and uh, they were looking at uh, empty lots uh, in Moelh area. There is a lot of uh, dead uh, dead spaces in between buildings there that could be utilized uh, to improve the, the condition of the area and. Uh, uh, what they did is they hosted a workshop um, uh, to survey the area and interview people who live in that area to compile a list of uh, sort of a wish list uh, from the inhabitants and see how uh, they could uh, implement their suggestions using um, uh, really uh, cost-effective uh, solutions uh, or sometimes uh, they suggested also to use... Um, existing uh, objects within the landscape like concrete barriers, uh, uh, tires, uh, reuse them or repurpose them to, to create a park uh, or a playground uh, which, is, uh, which is not existing right now in that area. Um, yeah. yeah. What I find fascinating about these empty spaces is some, you know, the people around it will make something out of it, right? So whether you suddenly find people playing football or cricket and I always admire that um, human intervention, whether it's kind of by design or just something that happens naturally, right? And and how things change. And so with this project, what was the response? Because, I mean, was language a barrier? Because that was one of the things I was thinking about because not necessarily everyone speaks fluent Arabic or English and a lot of these areas is a population from the from South Asia or Southeast Asia. And, and I'm always interested, how does it appear, you know, certain designers suddenly turn up in these spaces and talk about, oh, let's work together to change this. And, and does it come from a, like an equal footing or someone telling someone, you know, I know better and I think this is what should happen here? What, what kind of response or what kind of discussions happen around that? Well, for, for the MTLS project, they, they didn't really uh, suggest ideas. They wanted the community to be part of this conversation uh, so that they also feel equal. And in terms of language barrier, uh, the group were lucky that uh, it was a group of, uh, di a diverse group of students from, uh, uh, from the Arab world, from South Asia, uh, and uh, that really helped uh, ease the conversation and... Um, 
And the results from this project, is there anything that's permanent in one of the spaces or more than one space that they selected? Well, unfortunately, in, in, in this case, they, they really need some uh, funding and uh, a permission from the municipality to intervene with the space. And we were hoping that by exhibiting the project, we can eventually get this kind of support uh, from uh, you know, higher institutions. Yeah, we forget about the certain layers higher up that you know have to do signing the paperwork or the permission. But I'm hoping this influences, uh, you know, and changes mindset about being open to, to you know, changing these spaces instead of kind of these completely empty, abandonless, which are probably there because eventually there'll be some construction. I don't know, right? Because it's like this potential new building that'll come up. But in the meantime, how can people use this space? And the other project, Nomadic Shadow, which also I thought was kind of similar to empty list, I thought it was it's almost like a, a pairing in terms of uh, engaging with these public spaces and working with the community that use these spaces. Um, can you tell us about that? Uh, Nomadic Shadow uh, is a project by Juan Roldan and Beatrice Cruz. Um, both of them were interested in how on Fridays, which is like a public holiday, uh, people would come together as early as 4 a.m., um, and they turn an empty or a dead parking space into um, a cricket space. And they'd use anything at hand from rocks to pieces of log to mark the space. Um, and they'd play cricket. Uh, so with um, through Design House and through 1971 Space, they were able to document uh, for a whole day uh, how this happens. So uh, we were able to get permission to install cameras on a hotel that oversees an empty parking lot. And they documented this process and how this, the sunlight moves and the shadows um, and how people move and how people start going and coming. And conversations about this um, uh, brought this understanding that there's this social agreement uh, in the community. And uh, we, we were quite interested in this term, social agreement, uh, where there's this godfather figure uh, that's responsible for these people coming together. And it's agreed upon that this is our godfather and he will be uh, overlooking the cricket match or he, he, he will be telling everyone or he's the boss and he knows. Um, and these people would just come together and they'd know when to come together and it's welcome and open. They were looking at creating a marking device that works with, with light um, to allow uh, the cricket players um, to mark a territory uh, or to mark the land where they'll be playing cricket. So in the morning it would be casting a shadow and at night it would be casting light. Um, and again, it, this is a proposal. Uh, they would need uh, funding uh, to make it actually happen. And speaking of spaces, there's another project titled Adaptive Space uh, by Cristiano Lucchetti. Do you want to tell us about that? 
Uh, well, uh, Christianus's project was uh, also located in the Muelih area, but he was looking for more of a subtle uh, intervention where uh, he um, informs the people in who, who inhabit that area of uh, the potential of a space, of a dead space. So he was proposing to do one-time event uh, screening uh, the Cricket World Cup uh, the Cricket World Cup um, on one of the facades and uh, this way they would see the potential of the space um, and uh, the event was really successful uh, he didn't really uh, promote it we just projected it on the wall and uh, throughout the game people started gathering up and getting their furniture and chairs and eventually we got uh, uh, a massive uh, amount of people watching the game, and uh, then uh, he had a discussion with uh, with with those people uh, to to encourage them to take this further or do this more often. For adaptive space, it was a one-time event, a one-time projection of the live cricket match, and uh, Cristiano sort of wanted to put it out there that this is possible and he wanted people to see the potential of of uh, doing something like this and there was um, this hope that people would uh, revive this kind of event but um, that didn't happen and in conversation uh, with Cristiano I mean we, we spoke about this and we asked why why do you think it didn't happen but uh, and and I mean, as as we expected, there there are a lot of issues such as permissions, and I think there's fear because um, they don't want to get in trouble, but they never even approached Cristiano to host an event like this again. Uh, so I, I I think these events should be scheduled and uh, maybe budgeted for, and maybe we can screen movies, but we will need permissions and support. Um, but these are community uh, uh, events that, that should happen and we should engage w with them. Um, I thought about it, like it's things like permission, right? So yes, it, it'll be great to bring a projector and link it up to you know, the latest football match or cricket match and project it. And uh, yeah, if someone has the, I don't want to say power, but you know, the ability or to do that and, and people will turn up. I mean, the beauty of this is getting people together, right? And and this whole, all of these projects under um, Design Houses here, I think, is about engaging with people and bringing them together. So be it over sports or be it over an activity of, uh, you know, discussions uh, like stitching, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, yeah, you leave and, yeah, will someone take this on? And then it becomes... Do, are people empowered? I think maybe that's what I have been thinking about. Like with these projects, does it make people feel empowered to do these things or are they always waiting for someone, right? So waiting for designers or waiting for permission. Um, this was the first time uh, we um, launched an, uh, a social theme. Um, and I think this was the, the most difficult theme. Um, what proves this is that we had the least number of applications this year uh, for Design House uh, because it's difficult to uh, engage uh, with a community where you don't share a language or interests or, um, I mean, it, it becomes difficult when someone else is involved. Uh, so, I mean, we highly commend um, the group of people we have this year, 
that that did that that went out there and had conversations we also wanted to highlight that designers are able to to make some sort of change and maybe people with authority should commission more artists and designers to engage with the community is that something you see happening or like there is there a small there might not necessarily be drastic changes but do you feel the authorities because it's always i mean here it's difficult it's just negotiating right the rules and permissions and and the authorities and and to be able to do this and um and do you feel there's a small shift in that kind of discussion to make these changes that engages in public spaces and with communities? I think w- we wanted to show that there is potential. Um, we wanted to show what designers are able to do if they had the chance. And th- our hope is that someone would um, pick that up and give enough support for designers to be able to, to do that. And the last project uh, that's part of Design House is Stitch Anonymous uh, by Ola Dejani. Could you tell us about that? Uh, Stitch Anonymous by Ola Dejani is a community project that that uh, seeks to empower domestic workers by allowing them to express themselves through embroidery. Uh, Ola provided the domestic workers with an embroidery kit and wanted them to engage in a creative uh, process to to um, contrast their I mean daily working environment. They're rarely given the chance to make decisions. Uh, so this was this was um, a platform where they had complete freedom uh, to make whatever they wanted. Um, and so she, Ola would, would ask them, uh, could you embroider something that reminds you of home and give them the freedom uh, to do so? What was interesting um, is the similarities between, uh, between a lot of these uh, embroidery pieces. So there was a lot of uh, embroidery pieces that had to do with motherhood. A lot of them were floral designs, uh, some, some uh, nature um, things like that, and 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 these uh, pieces were are being sold at uh, 1971 Design House Space, and all proceeds go uh, to the maker. And whoever receives the pieces uh, or buys the p- purchases the pieces is able to know the maker's story. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember when I went to the opening. Um, I think yeah, I think you won't know till you buy it. And because their story, I think, is behind the the frame. So, is this something that Ola's continuously doing, or is this just a limited uh, time project for this exhibition? Um, uh, well, that depends on her her research and whether she wants to take this further. But I know that she is working with domestic uh, workers to to produce embroidery pieces, and she's been doing this for uh, a while now. Yeah, I mean, this, again, act of bringing together and making. And, um, and yeah, I mean, what's really admirable about this year's edition of Design House is this engagement with lots of different levels and layers of communities. That um, and, and it brings up these conversations, I think, which doesn't happen on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and, yeah, and it's made me think about, yeah, the role of designers. It's, almost, it's not necessarily... Uh, the role of designers as social engagement, as you know, activists almost, right? To to bring attention to certain 
certain parts of the city, certain causes, certain ideas. So all of the the results from all of these exhibitions is on display at 1971 in Sharjah till when? End of May. Um, and I know you had hosted a series of talks during the early part of the exhibition. Any more public talks or engagements uh, scheduled? No, there are no more uh, public talks, but you can get your hands on the, the publication and um, everything is summed up there and more. There are, um, I want to say, six uh, essays to accompany the work. I definitely encourage listeners to make their way to 1971 in Sharjah, spend time looking at the uh, results of the projects. Uh, they're displayed in a way where it's easy to navigate and see. And then, yeah, you can get your hand uh, on the on some of it, like the little Syria projects or the, the newspapers, you can take those. And yeah, if you can uh, uh, buy the publication, that would be amazing. It's definitely uh, an, an item that's worth uh, buying, reading and keeping and sharing. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for making time to sit with me and talk about this. And um, looking forward to next year's edition, assuming there is an edition next year. <laughs> Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe, download, and listen to Tea with Culture on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please do take a minute to rate us to help with our rankings and leave a comment to tell us what you think. You can also follow Tea with Culture on Twitter. Thanks again. Until next time.